Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. Our essay this week is called Sorrow and Love Flow Mingled Down. It's a guest essay by Sarah Miles. Sarah is Director of Ministry at St. Gregory of Nyssa Episcopal Church in San Francisco. She's also the author of the book Take This Bread. Her newest book, is called Jesus Freak, Feeding, Healing, Raising the Dead, newly published in 2010. Sarah's essay is based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, March 28, 2010, the sixth Sunday in Lent, Palm Sunday. Hosanna, we're entering Holy Week. We are going up to Jerusalem. Which is to say, like Jesus, we are going down to our own deaths. Like Jesus, each one of us is headed toward a cross, one way or another. But there are different paths to the cross. The way of the crowd, the way of separateness, and the way of Jesus. Today, on Palm Sunday, these paths are held up for us to survey. An Orthodox teacher once used the phrase glittering sadness to describe Palm Sunday. There is such unbearable beauty and such pain on Palm Sunday. Jesus is hailed as king and winds up as a slave. He will empty himself, accepting torture and execution at the hands of humans with total forgiveness. He loves us to the end. As the hymn says, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Palm Sunday reveals the passion, the sorrow, and the love intermingled at the heart of all our lives. It forces us to choose how we will arrive at the cross, bearing that pain together or using it to separate ourselves from others. The great poet W.H. Auden was asked once why he was a Christian instead of a Buddhist or a Confucian, since all these religions share similar ethical values. And Auden responded, quote, because nothing in the figure of Buddha or Confucius fills me with the overwhelming desire to scream crucify him. The desire to crucify is the way of the crowd. A crowd has the power to make people feel less alone in the face of death. This is why crowds are always at the heart of the violence done by religion and rulers. I remember sitting in a little church in a small oceanside town the Sunday after the 9-11 attacks and hearing the priest and parishioners pray for the murdered victims, and for our nation, and for, and for the heroic firefighters. I sat there in agony, looking at the American flag at the lectern, unable to open my mouth and pray for the terrorists. The crowd is seductive. It makes and shapes our worldly identities through violence, 
casting out and separation. It lets us say, as Jesus' own disciples will soon say, that man, I don't know him. He's not one of us. The crowd helps frightened, isolated individuals to identify with the power of Caesar, the power of the temple, the nation, or the tribe. The crowd allows prideful humans even to attempt to take the place of God, deciding who to judge, who to punish, who to scapegoat, who to allow into our own body. And so we go to the cross, to our inevitable deaths, clinging to the fantasy of power, a fantasy that keeps us, in the last place, isolated in our own pain. But we do not have to walk to the cross alone. When my wife began nursing school, she and her classmates had some tough days getting used to the inevitability of sickness and death. Then out of the blue, one of the student nurses in their group, only 40 years old, was diagnosed with massive, inoperable brain cancer and told she'd probably die within a couple of months. She had a 13-year-old son and a husband. So that week, all the student nurses put together an offering for their friend, a handmade blanket and went together to the waiting room where the husband was and stood around him in a circle while he cried and cried and cried. My wife said she wanted to fall down in that room. How can something be so unbearably sad, she said, and just so, so beautiful. In the presence of Jesus' love, a love that goes beyond death, we want to fall down. At his name we have to bend our knees. Because the truth is, every one of us is going up to Jerusalem, which is to say, down to our deaths. Every one of us will suffer. But we don't have to do it alone. We can love one another anyway, to the uttermost, to the end. Like Jesus who accepts today's hosannas, knowing that his friends will betray him, the crowd will turn on him, and his only crown will be pain. Like Jesus, who does not claim equality with God, but submits to God, emptying his own self so he can be filled with God's love. And from his beautiful, bloody hand, his head, his head his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Look, says Jesus, this is how you do it. And so in this glittering sadness of Palm Sunday, we take up our cross and follow him. And now for further reflection. The Journey Prayer by St. Brendan the Voyager. St. Brendan the Voyager lived from 484 to 577. He was an Irish monk. The Journey Prayer by St. Brendan the Voyager. God bless to me this day. God bless to me this night. Bless, O oh bless, thou God of grace, 
each day and hour of my life. Bless, O oh bless, thou God of grace, each day and hour of my life. God bless the pathway on which I go. God bless the earth that's beneath my soul. Bless, O oh God, and give to me thy love. O God of gods, bless my rest and my repose. Bless, O God, and give to me thy love. And bless, O God of gods, my repose. A guest essay by Sarah Miles, Sorrow and Love Flow Mingled Down. For books this week, I review Daniel Berrigan, No Gods But One, Grand Rapids, Erdman's, 2009, 184 pages. In her memoir, Things Seen and Unseen, Nora Gallagher recalls meeting Daniel Berrigan way back in the spring of 1986. When she asked how many times he had been jailed, he responded, not enough. Poet, playwright, peace activist, and Jesuit priest, Daniel Berrigan, born in 1921, has spent a long life obeying the good news of Jesus rather than the bad news of Caesar. He and his brother Philip did time on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. In 1968, he and eight other activists stole 378 draft files of young men who were about to be sent to Vietnam, dumped them into two garbage cans, poured homemade napalm on them, and burned them in the parking lot of the Catonsville, Maryland draft board. About a decade later, in 1980, he trespassed into General Electric's nuclear missile plant in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, poured blood on some of the warhead nose cones, and then hammered away to, pu to punctuate his prophetic point. Age has not extinguished Berrigan's fire. Death row, smart bombs, Iraq, corporate sleaze and greed, ruinous politics, empty religion, the American judiciary, and what he has in the past called abortion mills all provoke his prophetic pen. Berrigan's latest book is a chapter and verse study of Deuteronomy. Throughout the book he struggles to reconcile the god of the oppressed widows and aliens with the official royal deity who slaughters his enemies. These deeply conflicting views of what he calls the God portray a deity of so-called double intent. Berrigan is quick to observe that however bloody the Old Testament, we are no better today, 2,000 years later. And I quote, who can claim that he or she habitually says, God and no other, God and no other God? According to Berrigan, the text of Deuteronomy is anciently modern. It transcends itself from its archaic time and place and calls us to faith, and it even creates that faith in us. 
The later prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, and Ezekiel all revise and refine the earlier revelation. Berrigan writes, Nor is the fall the final judgment, as though we were bereft of all hope. No, there has occurred an intervention of God for healing and reconciliation, an intervention named Jesus. So, Berrigan proceeds chapter by chapter throughout the book of Deuteronomy. Every so often he drops in a quote from the New York Times, some poetry or favorite author, perhaps a snippet from the village voice, or a letter from a Catholic bishop. And in the end, he calls us, in his own words, to, quote, behave as though the truth were true. Daniel Berrigan, No Gods But One. And for poetry this week, we've posted a, uh, uh, excuse me, for film this week, I reviewed Julie and Julia from 2009. Based upon two very separate true stories, writer and director director Nora Ephron tells the parallel stories of two women from different generations who were in many ways icons of their popular culture. Julia Child, 1912 to 2004, was stuck in Paris with her diplomat husband when she decided to learn French cooking. That experience turned into her famous book, Mastering the Art of French Cooking, 1961, and her subsequent television show, The French Chef, that premiered in 1963. Now flash forward to the year 2001 and Julie Powell, born in 1973, who was stuck in an office cubicle with a mind-numbing job. To battle her boredom, in 2002 she cooked all the recipes in Child's book in one year, blogged about it, and when the blog became a sensation, published her own book called Julie and Julia, 365 Days, 524 Recipes, One Tiny Apartment Kitchen. And so this film switches back and forth between the two stories. The two cooks never met, and in fact, Child dismissed Powell's project as a crass stunt that missed the whole point of the joy and leisure of French cooking. Meryl Streep has received rave reviews for her portrayal of Child, but for many viewers, the recipe for this film lacked quality ingredients. Julie and Julia, starring Meryl Streep from the year 2009. And finally for Palm Sunday, we've posted the wonderful hymn, All Glory, Laud, and Honor, by St. Theodolf of Orleans, who was born in Italy, or perhaps Spain, around the year 760 AD to a family of nobility. He chose a life of religious service and became an abbot of a monastery in Florence, Italy. In 781, Charlemagne appointed him Bishop of Orleans, France. However, when Charlemagne died, his son Louis the Pious 
suspected Theodolf of treason, and so he was imprisoned in 18, the year 818 for conspiring against the king of France. St. Theodolf of Orleans wrote the verses that give us this Palm Sunday hymn in prison. All glory, laud, and honor. All glory, laud, and honor to thee, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring. Thou art the King of Israel, thou David's royal son, who in the Lord's name comest, the King and Blessed One. The company of angels are praising thee on high, and we with all creation in chorus make reply. The people of the Hebrews with palms before thee went, our prayer and praise and anthems before thee we present. To thee before thy passion they sang their hymns of praise. To thee now high exalted our melody we raise. Thou did accept their praises, accept the prayers we bring, who in all good delightest, thou good and gracious King. St. Theodolf of Orleans 760 to 821. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, March 28, 2010, Palm Sunday. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.